Welcome to the Echo Cast. I am a little bit liquored up and I'm ready to rant. I am Morgan, aka Bond, and this is a podcast talking about all of the news, reviews, and speculation around video games on all platforms and in almost every genre. This week we'll be talking about Gran Turismo 7, Star Wars Eclipse Issues, X Defiant is Alive ish, and more. Please take a moment to subscribe to and rate the podcast, as well as share it on social media and with your friends and your grandma. If your platform allows reviews, please leave one for the show. This is looking at you, iTunes and Spotify listeners. If you're on YouTube, please leave a comment. If you have thoughts on the show, a question for me to discuss next week, or you just want to help me out with the algorithm. Last, if you are on Discord, please join the show's channel. The link is in the description below so we can talk about games, the podcast, sports, and anything else you fancy. Let's jump into the news. Gran Turismo 7's release and reception. We have an open critic score of 88 and a metacritic score of 87 seems like it's being received as a visual showcase especially for the ps5 with lots of really satisfying racing uh feel and uh physics and uh, people seem to like the progression um, i have seen some complaints about the menu system the cafe the kind of educational side of things not being for everyone um, and it makes the game feel a bit slow so my outside take i haven't played it um i've watched some gameplay and reviews tried to kind of see um when a game is reviewed so well like this i think it's it's smart to look for the bad reviews the reviews that didn't like it um you'll often find that if a game has you know an 80s or 90s score uh that the negative reviews tend to be a little picky or whatever um but they still can give you some insight on people who just didn't like it and that's okay so for me it's kind of interesting um i think if this game wasn't didn't have gran turismo on it if it was sony racer 7 instead um i suspect it'd probably be in the lower 80s um it is pretty uh obviously especially on the ps5 um but it doesn't i just feel like the time for these types of games has kind of passed and so like the og gran turismo i played like I mean, I was a kid, so I think I played it like a thousand hours. I probably played it like 30 hours, but I mean, that was a revolutionary game for me, you know, cause you had to attain your licenses so you could do better races and have better cars. And it was really cool for the time. It was very advanced, but Gran Turismo has kind of lost its luster since then. And, um, you know, last year we had Forza Horizon come out and be a big deal to some people being a game of the year contender um it didn't win at least not in any of the major uh shows i'm aware of but it was still in the discussion for a racing game that's a pretty big deal and it's just like when you watch these games there was something i was watching um a review where someone had posted like 4k 60 fps footage um of it 
And like everything's so pretty, the worlds are a little bit low res, uh, but the worlds in racing games tend to not be the most detailed because they're, they're typically flying by at 100 miles an hour. But what was weird to me is that like the 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 movement of the of the cars just looks very floaty and weird. And then I noticed that um, the, the person reviewing like bumped into the wall a couple times and then bumped into another car and there was just no reaction. Um, you know, that no damage was sustained to the vehicle. There were no like, you know, sparks or, or, or even just like impact like um, uh, shaders or I don't know what you would call it, but there were like no effects. Like there was nothing to tell you that there was a thing happening there. Um, and there, as far as I could tell, there was no body damage to the vehicles, which is even in like horizon, right? So like there was something weird about it is it, it looked like it reminded me of like really old racing games where they just didn't have the tech for that. And so I don't know, something about that just really threw me. Um, but there is a lot of talk about um, there's like a cafe thing where like that's like your hub. Um, I actually think the menu for the game looks kind of awful, but but the people who have played it seem to like it. So I'm probably just missing out. Um, But yeah, like they have this weird thing. So you like you go to this cafe and you talk to different people and they like tell you about the cars and stuff. And um, when I heard about that, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I figured they'd be like fully animated things. But no, it's just a little circle at the bottom of the screen with a face and then a voice actor talking. And so like stuff like that just seems kind of below like the standard of Sony to me. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that a game like this is going to receive a couple points bump for being a Sony game um, because they're so prolific um, for being Gran Turismo. Uh, I, I suspect we'll see something similar with the next Forza game comes out. Not Horizon, but like legit Forza. Um, I just don't, I, I think those games appeal to such a small number of people, but because, you know, reviewers kind of have to review, especially a big budget first party game from Sony or, or Nintendo or Xbox, right? That this game still gets attention, even though like really the audience for it probably isn't that big. Um, now on the other hand, um, I think that a game like Horizon um, was so prolific because it was on game pass. Um, if, if horizon wasn't on game pass, I wouldn't have played my 15 or 20 hours. Um, I would have watched some reviews. I didn't like the, the horizon four. I thought it was boring. I'm sorry, English countryside, but I thought you were awful. <laughs> and, um, so I really feel like if Sony's going to have like an answer to game pass, um, a game like this probably would have been perfect for that, where people could play it um, if they were paying the monthly fee and, and play it and check it out. And some people would get hooked that never thought they liked racing games. Other people wouldn't bother, but you would still see a lot more eyes on it because it would kind of open up that, that niche a little bit. So um, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it's a good game. You know, it doesn't seem like it's going to be anyone's game of the year or anything, but um, it seems like Sony has, you know, knocked it out of the park with another really solid game that you have to have a PlayStation for. So there you go. Uh, there was another report about Star Wars Eclipse having some trouble hiring for their big AAA Star Wars game that's coming. Um, this is from the developer of Become Human. 
uh, they have some other narrative kind of choice driven games. Um, it's called Quantic Dream. Um, and basically they're, they're like CEO or whatever. Uh, and their whole organization has had just wild claims of like abuse and sexism and, um, and a lot of awful things. And so, um, if, if you kind of follow the game commentary sphere where reviewers and, and game uh, insiders and stuff all kind of chill together, you'll see a very clear, basically anyone who talks to devs either currently there or formerly there, it sounds like it's just a bad place to be, honestly. And um, it, it seems like it's, um, yeah, not not where, uh, not where people want to go, leading to this report that they are having trouble hiring. Um, they also, there was also, um, I guess, they're targeting 2027 for this game. On Reddit, I kind of made myself look like a fool because I said, well, that seems like a long way away because I assume they've already started pre-production. That should take a couple years. And then development normally takes a, a two or three years. And I was like, and that just seems too far away. And someone pointed out, they're like, well, it's 2022. And if they do pre-production for two or three years and then take two or three years for development, that'll be about 2027. And I, and I cry because uh, I, I thought it was 2020. I, I, I'm still stuck in 2020 in my brain. So, yeah, so it seems like this game is going to, you know, is is maybe in a little bit of trouble. Um, trouble brought onto itself by terrible management and not fixing things. And um, all we've seen of this is a bunch of, like, CGI trailers and stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see and see if uh, Become Human 2 comes out. Maybe they're working on that, too. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 5. So I have revisited this game because I recently saw a, a fella from the kind of funny uh, podcast sphere, Snowbike Mike, um, and play this recently. And um, and I played it back when it came out and, and loved it. And playing it again is just, man, it's so cool. Like, it's such a good game. Like, I would argue that no other open world like shooter game has done the done that better since um I, I would say open world game in general because i'm not into elden ring and breath of the wild and stuff like that so i can't really compare those so i don't know if they're better but metal gear solid 5 is just so good and a big rant I, i've gone on is how i think i did during my last uh, stream was talking about like Metal Gear Solid 5 came out in 2015. And then around that time, development on Rainbow Rana, Ghost Recon Breakpoint started. Uh, they were probably finishing up Wildlands and then starting up uh, Breakpoint. And, and someone saw Metal Gear Solid 5 and still thought it was a good idea to make a game like Breakpoint. Even Wildlands, I would argue. I think that I think both of them kind of suck. But um there's just so many open world games that like it's obvious they didn't learn anything from this game Metal Gear Solid 5 is not a perfect game especially the ending or the lack thereof but like it's so good like it just there's so much detail in the way the world works and the story is typical Kojima just like bonkers craziness and one thing that stands out to me 
every time I see any Kojima game or even just art like design of some point is this MFR has just such a cool eye for just having like so such dope looking military tech like all of the armor and everything just and all the tech always looks even in uh, Death Stranding like that game has such a cool aesthetic and all the Metal Gear games do and it's just like and this game is like the is a is like the pinnacle of it like there's so much just cool looking shit in this game and um yeah and now it's not all perfect there's there's a bunch of like kind of small like quality of life stuff that games have improved on um i can't think of anything off the top of my head but it's there um i finally got to quiet who's one of the characters you get introduced to and you can choose to bring her along and it's just such a it's just such an exercise and like Kojima's dope. He makes great games, but this dude is like 12 on like a, like a scale. He's like 13 out of 10 horny, man. And it's like, it's, it's, I remember this. I even feel like back when I played it, when it came out uh, in like 2015 ish, I even feel like back then I remember being like, ugh, like this doesn't feel cool. Like, like, this feels kind of gross. Like this doesn't feel good. Like something's not right. And then now is like, you know, seven years later, uh, as someone who's a bit older, who, you know, is married and has a child who has a daughter, um, who has just grown as a person. It's just ugh, like, it, it doesn't feel right. Uh, her treatment is really messed up and she's a really, really cool character. And, um, and they like explain away why she's dressed so risque and stuff. And it's, um, y'all know, man, it, it's just like the, the way things are today. And I'm not saying that in like, a, Oh, things used to be better. Like, I think things used to be worse. Um, things are just different now than they were even seven years ago. Um, and it just, it's gross. I, I don't, he's done this in all of the metal gear games. Like they're all like, even the really old ones where it's all pixelated, like just really gratuitous, just really like over hyper-sexualized women, especially it's a little bit with men, but not very, there's definitely an imbalance in the way it gets treated. So, you know, there, there's some stuff like that, that kind of, you know, it feels dated, um, even though I suspect if we ever see another Metal Gear game from uh, from Ko Kojima, uh, we'll see. I'm not expecting. It just doesn't feel right. So that's where I'm at with that. Um, but yeah, Metal Gear Solid Five. it's if you've never played it, it holds up extremely well. Um, you can see that it did have a lot of influence on on shooters and third person games that came after it. Um, yeah, it's cool, man. You should check it out. I highly suggest playing as many of the metal gear games as you can stomach, but, uh, yeah, five is, it's a shame. There's probably never going to be a six. That's, that's where I'll leave that. Uh, Tom Clancy's X defiant is not dead. That's uh coming, uh, this week basically they put out a tweet for the first time since like October um, saying that some person was joining them who's like a esports gamer or something I don't know um, and it's the first and, and then they kind of just said oh yeah we're working on it and we're can't wait to bring you some cool stuff um, I genuinely uh, and, and I've and I've said before 
I highly respect the devs who work on games, um, especially ones like this, who put their heart and soul in, and they work hard, and they 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 do good work, and they and they 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 do their best. But I think this game is just gonna crash and burn so hard, um, because from what we know so far, it's supposed to be like a a hero shooter Call of Duty mashup with a bunch of Ubisoft properties in it and it was like really obviously supposed to be a division game and then some exec was like we gotta do crossovers because we're Ubisoft and if we aren't doing crossovers we ain't breathing and so now Ghost Recon and Splinter Cell is in it for some reason I don't know, man. And it's the outcast. It's like the least iconic of all of the division factions that are in it. This was clearly supposed to be hunters versus shade agents versus any of the myriad of factions that are available versus JTF, uh, whatever. I just like this game was, I mean, it's in, it's in the snowdrop engine, which is the engine that the division uses. Um, all of the maps that we've heard of so far are all division maps. Um, I mean, this was so clearly a division game. And then someone decided that wasn't good enough. That wasn't a big enough umbrella. So they brought in one franchise that has completely run itself into the ground with Breakpoint. And then another franchise has just been MIA forever. I don't get it. It, it. It's almost like they're doing this because they like have to make sure to use those properties so they don't lose like the copyright or something. I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious to see. I mean, the guy heading it up was like a huge Call of Duty dev, I think. So in theory, he he knows like how to make a good shooter. But um, for full disclosure, I have played this game, um, but that's NDA. And I can't. I'm not going to talk about it. I can't talk about it. Um, everything I'm expressing is from public things that we've seen. Um, I really can't wait to talk about it uh, once we actually can get our hands on it and we're allowed to actually discuss it. So, X Defiant, not dead for now. We'll see about the long run. Might get hyperscaped. <laughs> uh, the second to last thing here is talking about games in the Ukraine war um, because unfortunately there there are a bunch of connections with some different topics um, so a big one is that um, pretty much all of the major platforms have said they're not going to do any new sales in Russia uh, they're kind of joining the whole world and, and essentially canceling Russia uh, I, I know the whole like cancel culture thing has kind of a negative connotation and some people have turned into real like um, like hyper victims about it. Um, I, I would say that this is one of those situations where, uh, you know, the whole canceled thing is, is probably fairly appropriate. Um, if you've been paying attention to what's going on, it's pretty awful. Um, there was also a story about, um, I saw a bunch of updates about, I guess there were multiple remote employees, uh, of Ubisoft, um, as well as a bunch of other game devs, um, in Ukraine. And, uh, I, I've seen both, individuals who work at Ubisoft giving like real life updates about like, I didn't hear from this person for two days and then how I have and they're safe and everything. Um, as well as Ubisoft putting out a statement talking about how they're looking after the welfare of their people and trying to get them out and all that. 
I'm kind of curious to why they had contractors there. My assumption is that maybe the Bucharest studio had some uh, like remote employees there, or maybe they had a remote employees to any studio um, and they just happened to live in Ukraine. Um, don't mistake Ukraine for like, you know, like some place that like doesn't have internet and stuff like that. Like Ukraine is a first world nation. It's, it's why this war is so unique because it's one of the, it's one of the, it's the first ground war between two first world countries with like legitimate armies uh, in a really long time. I would say since World War II to this scale, um, obviously there's been lots of other conflicts, um, uh, you know, conflicts between like Israel and Egypt and stuff like that. But these were all fairly quick things or ongoing things that have been going on for 30 years uh, where there's like little skirmishes. This situation in Ukraine is much more than that. It's a full-scale war between two large countries, one much larger than the other, but still. So um, talking about devs, we did get notification from the uh, Stalker 2 devs that that game is indefinitely delayed. Um, heaven, heaven help anyone who got mad about that. If you don't know, the entire Stalker 2 development team is in Ukraine. I want to say Kiev, but um, I could be wrong. Um, but needless to say, they're not working right now. Um, and uh, it, it's been kind of weird. I haven't seen any big like talk about how many of them have left. Uh, I mean, the way things are and we're going is men over the age of 18 and under 60 can't leave. Um, they, they can't evacuate. Uh, they, they're, they're basically being conscripted to fight because, you know, they're in a tough spot. So there's probably a large number of the devs from that studio who um, are still in Ukraine. And there's probably some who are fighting. And, um, you know, the stuff... I understand that, especially after the last two years, people are so burned out on the world ending. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of mistrust and skepticism about things. And um, I, I think little stories like this are what kind of brings some of the stuff home. Like, this isn't just a thing that's happening somewhere that you don't have to think about. This stuff is directly impacting almost every person on earth or at least everyone in the West and in Europe and things like that. So, um, you know, it sucks. Uh, and then the final bit with this is there's been some weirdness with the escape from Tarkov, uh, community, uh, from their creators, from their developers. Um, so Tarkov, uh, you've heard me talk quite a bit about it. I, I like Tarkov. I think it's a great game. It's, it's not good for me to play it because it gives me heart palpitations, but um, it, it's a cool game. It's a neat idea, and it, and it does what it's trying to do much better than other attempts at it. Um, but if you've been around uh, Tarkov for long enough, and there is lore, there is a story, which will get expanded on more in the future, um, but essentially it's a very um, propaganda-y a very pro-Russian game, which makes sense because I believe their entire studio is based in St. Petersburg, Russia, and they're Russian. Most of them are Russian. Um, and so, like, let's not pretend, like, Call of Duty and, and Battlefield and a bunch of other games are, like, hyper pro-American. And so I don't necessarily have a problem with them having a story that's pro-Russian. It, it makes sense for them. Um, but they, they have been, as a developer, radio silent since the war started. 
Um, now, obviously, there's implications for them. Um, you know, like they've basically essentially made it illegal to be um, critical of the war. And actually, you can't call it a war. It's a military conflict or something or a peacekeeping mission or something like that to them. Um, and so the citizens are hand, you know, it's not like Nikita, the lead dev can come out and be against it. He'll probably get arrested the next day. So, um, it's not that I necessarily expect them. What's been a real bummer about it is one, the community in general, uh, the Tarkov community has been real weird about this. Um, there's definitely some weird like obsessions and kind of bootlicking and stuff going on where you can tell that community is maybe like a little delusional and a little too close to what's going on but also not very informed about it or is just completely ignoring it it does not want to talk about it at all the tarkov subreddit like explicitly will not tolerate any any even bringing up the war or the conflict um except they did allow someone to basically say uh basically it was just like supporting battle state for not saying anything which was fair but some of the stuff they said was dumb the mods left that up and then eventually deleted it um it's 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 so tarkov if you don't know is a came about a fictional um uh region in russia that basically there's a giant company in this city that's doing a bunch of research and some things go wrong and um a Western private military group and a Russian private military group, which is called the bear, uh, which is, it's probably based off the Wagner group, which is borderline, not a private military company, but is actually just a extension of the Spetsnaz, <laughs> the special forces for Russia. It's a long story, but basically there there's this region that's been locked down by the UN and by the Russian military and everyone who is there is stuck. They can't get out because it's too dangerous to, you know, the, the UN and the Russia won't go in to clear it. And so there, and so you play as a PMC on one side or the other, trying to survive in this place. And what's kind of messed up about it is that in some ways it reflects what's going on right now there. In other ways, it kind of reflects what was going on before, uh, in the Donbass and the, I can't remember what the other region was called. Um, and so like this game, you know, whether people like it or not, it's related. And, um, and I understand that like streamers and stuff like that, like they just want to get on and play games and, and make a fucking ton of money and, and not have to get into politics and all that. But like, there's a really prominent streamer, um, who literally had like the word Ukraine banned from their chat. So if you try to type it in, you can't send a message. And they had a bunch of other keywords um, like this. I saw this from multiple people. I saw it from myself. And, and then if you had the, the, the gall, the gall or the whatever, the guts to try to bring it up, like, Hey, like, why is that? Like, like, why are you, why is it like that? And my favorite part was I saw a response from this really probably the most prominent streamer being like, well, this, these douchebags asking about this thing. It's like the people aren't douchebags for bringing this up. It's, 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 it's relevant and it's a big event. And that's cool that you're just here to play your games and make millions of dollars for yourself. But like, it's a real thing to people. It's a thing that's going on that whether you like it or not is directly related to this video game that you like. It's also worth mentioning that a lot of the big creators for Tarkov 
are like uncomfortably close with the dev team and have run interference for the dev team a lot and have always been very favorable. They'll make sure they make their video or two where they like really give it to Nikita. Um, but for the most part, you know, there's a, 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 a very, you know, interesting dynamic between these especially large streamers and uh, the development team of Tarkov. And so I'm pretty disappointed because what you can do is you can say like, Hey, we're not gonna, we know the war's awful. It sucks. It's the worst, you know, we're, we are just trying to, you know, be about games here. You know, we're not going to get into that, but here, here's an opportunity through us. We're going to raise money for the red cross or for the refugees or whatever. And you can be like, you know, we're not going to get into it. We're not going to spend all of our time talking about what's going on. You can go a lot of places for that, but here's, here's a, I, I am acknowledging it. I think it sucks. And here's a way for us to use that energy in a positive way. But instead, you know, they call people douchebags and block them and stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty disappointing. It's, it's pretty weird. Um, I've seen, I mean, pretty much all of the major ones will not tolerate a single word about what's going on. And I think that is a, a huge sellout and has no guts and is super cowardly and, um, is pretty pathetic. Um, especially for a few people who have really played themselves up to be real humanitarians and, uh, and then have kind of shown themselves that they, uh, have, have kind of shown that they will be complete and utter shills if, if, uh, if they have to be, but, but here we are. Um, the last thing here was, I don't even know. I should have put this before. There was an unreal engine five demo for trees. <laughs> so I, I don't even think it was actually Epic that made it. I think it was like a, someone else using unreal five, but it was just, it just showed this like insane Vista and some tech that they were able to use to make the wind affect trees in a way that is just like so wild. And it can be done like, like easily, like efficiently. It's, it, it's meant to be a thing that, um, you know, like, like any game can do that, but in older engines, it would require a lot more hands-on work where this tool, and it was kind of just showing off unreal five and this, this tool was showing off that, Hey, actually this can be done super easily. And that looks ridiculous. It looks so cool. And so this is where I do my, my, uh, my weekly mention of mass effect and to just say like, man, it's so exciting to know that that game is being made on that engine instead of trying to make frostbite work again. Um, I suspect that like dragon age four on frostbite will be pretty good. I mean, I hope so. They've had years and years and years now to figure out how to make frostbite work better for what they're doing. Um, all the way back to inquisition. Um, but I still think that Mass Effect is going to to be well rewarded for uh, making the big move to Unreal. All right, so we have a couple listener questions here. The first one is uh, Pizza Morgue from the Discord. Um, okay, so right now, this is the question. Right now, one of the uh, Elden Ring is one of the highest rated games of all time, but between poor technical performance and the reality that maybe people have oversold the accessibility of the game a little, plus lots of praise creative decisions that a lot of people just don't agree with, do you think that there would be a revisionism uh, come uh, 
uh, award season when it becomes the cool thing to be the person who doesn't like Elden Ring? Or do you think that this game is going to clean house regardless of the number of people it alienates along the way? So I was actually in, uh, there's a, uh, it was a GameSpot. I think he writes for Tamor. Uh, he's on Kind of Funny a lot. I was in his stream earlier and he was talking about, people were kind of discussing this. And I, I think it would be really interesting to get all of the reviewers who gave this like a nine, nine and a half, even a 10 out of 10 to get another score from them in like a month and a half. Because I, I think Elden Ring is, it looks like it's the best that uh, from software has ever made. It, it looks like it's, I think that's absolutely true. But if you're going to rate it as a game compared to all other games, um, it, I can't help but feel like from all the reviews I've watched and the gameplay I've watched, it really, really, to me feels like there was like, um, like the chum effect. So like if you're out on the ocean and you, and you throw, um, a bunch of fish guts into the water, um, sharks will start coming around and they'll start eating. If you, if you put enough food in there, they'll go into like a frenzy where they'll just start chomping at everything. They'll, they'll bite each other. They'll kill each other. They'll, they'll, they go nuts. And I almost feel like when you see all these review scores and you hear all these these reviewers talking about this game is that it's almost like they all got their codes, they started playing, and you hear all, almost every reviewer talk about it because they got it early. They, they got a review period. And they're like, oh, I love texting so-and-so and saying, hey, did you see this? Did you see that? And it almost seems like there was like chum in the water and they all like got so excited because there is a bunch of really cool shit in this game like it, it, it's a from software game of course it is and then they made it open world which makes it and they did it really well it seems like from a design perspective and it almost seems like they all frothed themselves up and hyped them on each other and, and and got so hyped that they're like oh my god this is the best game ever made and and i really i would be really curious to see to, to, to pull all of them in like six months and have them anonymously so they don't lose credibility, re-rate the game and to see where it would play out. And I think it would be in like the mid eighties or maybe high eighties. I, I don't think it would get like these insane accolades that it's been getting because I've watched it a lot. I'm not going to play it. I can just tell this isn't my game, but I've probably watched like 20 hours of it at least between kind of funny between Dr. Lupo between uh, Andy uh, Cortez and Snowbike Mike and a bunch of people um, I've been watching a ton of it and it's like I think the graphics are just like okay it has some really beautiful vistas it does but like the the model to model graphics I think a lot of the a lot of the enemy designs are not that great um, I mean it looks like a cross-gen game it looks like a game that looks pretty good, but doesn't run that well on PS5 and Series X and PC. And then a game that, that works on the old systems. It's a cross-gen game. They couldn't go all in, right? And From Software isn't really known for having, like, the most detailed, realistic graphics ever. And that's fine. Um, but between some of the technical issues you've talked about, apparently I've seen a lot of co-op, and it seems like it's, like, usable, but not really that great. It's more the implementation than the tech, but still. And it just, I just feel like Elden Ring benefited a lot from a frenzy. I think there were, these reviewers were all 
texting each other and sending each other screenshots and, and like losing their mind. And then when it hit the ground and now they're playing it, they're enjoying it. They're, they're 80 hours in, they're 90 hours in, they're a hundred hours in, they're still doing stuff. I just think that come award season towards the end of the year that there may be, cause I don't think people will be playing it a month from now. I, I think that they're busting their load right now and then they're going to, you know, the, the, now the one thing that will help it is there isn't a whole lot coming out this year. Otherwise, maybe God of War, probably not. Um, maybe the next Zelda game, but probably not. Um, my big game I'm looking forward to is Starfield. Bethesda, new engine, new IP. I think it's going to be super dope. It's probably going to be problematic <laughs> technically and stuff. So and, and and don't think for a second that all these reviewers who gave Elden Ring nines and tens already have given Starfield like an eight because they already they have this preconceived notion that it's going to be buggy. And I've already, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen you know a lot of these people talking They're like, oh, man, could like what game could knock it off? And they all bring up uh, they bring up God of War. They they bring up, um, you know, Zelda. They, they bring up these games and then they'll always be like, yeah, I mean, Starfield's probably gonna be really cool, but we know how Bethesda is and maybe Bethesda will be like maybe maybe this is going to be exactly what we expect. But even if it's not, I still think it'll be treated that way. And I think they, I think a lot of them already have that in their head. And I think that really sucks. Um, so do I think it's going to sweep? I think it shouldn't. I think it will because a bunch of reviewers are going to be afraid to show their asses to give this game probably too high of a score off of hype and excitement. And I think a lot of them are going to be afraid to go back. So even if Starfield is awesome, even if the next Breath of the Wild or the next God of War comes out this year and it's amazing, or say another darling like It Takes Two comes out that no one expected, um, I I think Elden Ring probably already has a lot of those votes ticked for a bunch of people because they are going to be so scared to go against what they're feeling in February and March, even all the way in November or December, but we will have to wait and see. Master Prime has two questions. One, how much uh, time is left for old gen support? So this is mostly, I assume, talking about uh, like PS4 to PS5 and Xbox One to the Series X and S, I guess, but I'm talking about Series X. Not long. I don't think it'll be much longer. I think we'll see a few more cross-gen games this year because uh, I, I think they've said that like God of War for PlayStation is going to be a cross-gen game. And that kind of sucks, honestly. Because that means they're not going to be able to go all in. It'll look great. Like Horizon Forbidden West looks really good, even though it has to scale. So I'm sure they'll make it work and it'll probably be mind blowing and so pretty, but they're still going to have to hold some stuff back. They won't be able to do everything that they probably want to or could with just the PS5. Um, I think Starfield's going to be next gen only. So I, it almost what's, what's going to be funny is I actually think that Xbox exclusives, um, will start showing up on series X, you know, next gen only before PlayStation five games will which is hilarious because of, you know, the head of PlayStation uh, a couple years ago saying that, you know, kind of clapping at Xbox saying we believe in generations and we don't want to hold our games back for the sake of 
the last system, which is a, it's a big thing that Xbox is all about. The difference is, is that if you have a Xbox one, even the base model, you are going to be able to play next gen only games with ultimate game pass by streaming them. It's not going to be the best experience on earth, but if you want to keep your system from 2013 and play games that are exclusive to a system that came out in 2020 or 2020 cause 2021, I don't even remember 2020, you're going to be able to the PlayStation four is not going to do that. Once they move their games to PlayStation five, unless this Spartacus thing has some tech that I'm not expecting it to have, it's we're it's going to be next gen only and then you're going to have to have a PS five and hopefully that's easier sooner than later, but it might not be because things are still kind of wild. COVID's calming down, but now we have all these embargoes and all this craziness and, and who knows how far this, this Ukraine conflict is going to go or how it might spread. And so now at that point, games become a lower priority, obviously, but I don't know. I think it's, I think it's interesting. I would say by the end of 2023, we're done with cross gen though, is my guess. Uh, second question, uh, is 4k really the standard resolution for current consoles moving forward? I, I kind of talked about that last week. I don't, I think that was the goal. And I think what's going to happen is I think that game developers in the platforms are going to realize people care a lot more about 60 FPS than they do 4k. And I think that sooner than later, we're going to be playing games at 1080p, 60 FPS. And because we already are some games now, there may be an optimization issue there, but um, I, I think that I, I think that's going to end up being a big surprise and that we, you know, went into this gen held a PS5 and Series X both have 8K on their boxes. Now it's they're never going to play 8K video games. It's 8K potential output for like movies and stuff, right? But I, I, I there was so much hype about 4K for for both platforms leading up to their releases, and and I think now that a bunch of console players have seen the light, have seen 60 FPS, have felt. 60 fps in their games i i think you're gonna see games in the middle of this gen and late in this gen they're gonna be sacrificing resolution for frames um and i think that it's gonna make the mid generation refreshes for both pretty important so whatever the you know the xbox one x of the series x is gonna be uh, whatever the PS5 Pro is going to be is probably going to be to try to, it, it, I think, more focused on keeping uh, 60 FPS than 4K. Maybe both if they can get them powerful enough. But yeah, so I don't think 4K is the standard. Okay, um, so thanks for the questions. If you have any, you can always ask on my Twitter. You can ask in the YouTube comments. You can message me on Instagram. I don't know. Uh, but you can find all those links on my Twitter, um, or through the YouTube. Okay. So content updates. Um, I do have a new mass effect video out. Um, it's talking about how I think they're going to tie Andromeda, uh, their spinoff game into the next game, which seems like it's going to be a sequel to mass effect three. Um, and so go check that out on YouTube. Uh, I think it's the highest quality video I've ever made and one of the better scripts I've written. I'm trying to get better at that kind of stuff uh, when you only get, you know, 
a handful of views and no comments. It's kind of hard to know what's looking good or bad. But at the end of the day, I'm kind of just doing this stuff for fun. So not too worried about it. Um, and I received my Extra Life Silver Medal. So with the help of a bunch of you, we raised, I believe, almost 800 bucks last year um, in 2021. Obviously, that was a rough year. And so to get that much money from people was amazing. It got me a really cool silver medal that, of course, I don't have to hold up here. But you can see it on my Twitter. Um, so thank you, all of you, for that. Um, I'm still, I, I have a Extra Life 2022 Um campaign i'm not pushing it super hard this year i think i really pushed my campaign a little too hard last year um and so i'm kind of just letting it be there if you want to donate cool if not it's all good um but yeah so extra life is a really cool thing if you want to fundraise for sick kids it it will directly help your local children's hospital if you choose to and so um it's a good cause they do some cool stuff and um check it out and that's where we're going to start to wrap this baby up. Uh, you can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and on Twitch. Uh, please check out my The Echo Cast and Bond Diesel merch at the links in the description below for the Streamlabs and the Design by Human stores. Um, you can also find those links on Twitter. And that's all I have. So until next time. I'm going to go to the hospital.